Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to an HBO podcast from the HBO Late Night series, Real Time with Bill Maher. appreciate it. Thank you. Doing all the protocols. Thank you. I know you, you... I hope you're excited. It's 11 days till the election. Are you... 11 days. I think the country is focused on one thing. Jeffrey Dubin jerked off on Zoom. Did you see that? No? Okay. Well, let me tell you what happened then. Jeffrey Dubin, he's a big CNN analyst. He's like, the legal guy, the Supreme Court said this was whacking... During a Zoom meeting in front of his colleagues. You're grossed out. Jesus Christ. He's been a guest on the show. I had to shake his hand. I... <laughs> uh, so many gross things this week. Trump, did you see this? Trump, unbelievable, turns out has a secret Chinese bank account and he's paid $200,000 in taxes there. I was absolutely shocked. Trump paid taxes? <laughs> Well, look, he's always said, I pay taxes. It just wasn't in this country, you know. Uh, Did you watch the debate last night? We finally had another... Oh, you did? Oh. I I mean, was it just me, my TV? It looks like the color of Trump's head was... Even for him, was... He looked like roast beef. I... I, It was... It was like Biden was debating Arby's. I... I, It was... Disconcerting. But we did, last night, we discovered the monster's weakness, the mute button. (laughs) The mute button, just the threat of it, kept Trump in check. It was like fire to Frankenstein or garlic to Rudy Giuliani, you know? (laughs) Oh, Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani, there's a new Borat movie. I think it starts tomorrow, and Rudy Giuliani's in it because (laughs) it's an actress, you know, part of the Borat troupe there. She's posing as a conservative reporter, luring Rudy up to his hotel room, which she does, and he's lying there on the bed while she flirts with him, and he's got his hand reaching into his trousers. Now, Rudy says, it's not what it looks like. (laughs) Not what it looks like. It looks like an alien autopsy is what it looks like. (laughs) But... But this, of course, I love this, because it comes on the heels of last week. Rudy was in the news because he was digging up dirt on Hunter Biden after, of course, the whole Ukraine thing where he was digging up dirt on Joe Biden. Because that's who you want looking into. (laughs) High-tech corruption in the former Soviet Union. Someone who can get fooled by Borat. (laughs) Now, Rudy, Rudy denies the whole thing. He claims he was tucking in his shirt. And, uh... Jeffrey Tubin said, could I use that? <laughs> uh, no, Rudy, he's, what a piece of work. He claims he works for Trump for free. Oh, it never takes any money. He says his only compensation is he gets to eat the flies that land on Mike Pence. <laughs> That's the only... Oh, and finally, listen to this, the Pope. Every once in a while, boy, the Pope comes through. 
He came out in favor of civil unions for gay couples, which is pretty for the Pope. All I have to say is, who's the lucky cardinal? (laughs) All right, we got a great show. We have Heidi Heitkamp and Anthony Scaramucci are here, and a little later we'll be speaking with Matthew McConaughey. But first up, he is the author of OMG, What the Fuck Does the... Well, WTF, Does the Constitution Actually Say? A Non-Boring Guide to How Our Democracy is Supposed to Work. Ben Sheehan. Ben... You get near me. I ben, won't. I you? promise. No, I'm just kidding. So, uh, listen, I'm so glad you're here, and I, I really mispronounced it. Uh, I said OMG, and then I went right to what the fuck, but it's WTF. <laughs> and those letters don't even really correspond to what we think they are, although it works both ways, obviously. Oh, my God, what the fuck. Right. But it's also Ohio, Michigan, Georgia. Wisconsin, with... Texas, Florida. Because those are the key states, right? There you go. Okay. So... We have a lot in common theme-wise. We've both been on and on for a long time. I have anyway. I don't know. About this problem we have in America that you are such the perfect guest to walk us through, which is we're on the honor system. So much that we depend on has not actually been written down in law or the Constitution. And now we have someone who has no honor, puts his family in office, gets help from foreign countries, runs a business empire while he's president, things we didn't think we had to write down. Right. So my worry now is that the Electoral College, it's not actually written down that the electors, which really elect the president, go to the guy who gets the most votes in the state, right? Right. I mean, to start, it's, you only have, you know, you have 17 states that don't bind their electors, uh, including states like Pennsylvania and Georgia and Texas. So, meaning bind? Meaning make, make, make them follow the popular vote in the state. So that's one thing that's not written down. They leave it up to the states, and that's what the Supreme Court decision earlier this year said, that it is constitutional to have uh, uh, faithless elector laws and also for states to decide not to have that. But so much of the electoral college is, is, is set in the Constitution, but a lot of the actual process that's going to happen over the next two months is set by federal law, and even the federal law that describes it, people could barely understand. Um, this Section 15, written in 1887, is, is constantly debated. It's almost unintelligible, and so... My worry is if we get to this point where we have the electoral count that happens on January 6th, there's going to be disputes and it could go haywire. What is the likelihood, though, that some state, at least one state, does not send to the electoral college to meet to actually elect the president, does not send electors that represent who won that state? You I think mean, that's a high probability? I don't think it's a high probability, but I've thought a lot of things over the last four years didn't have a high probability that it's right. happening. So, <laughs> well, one, um, one thing we know for sure, the one thing we know for sure is that however much Trump loses by, and look, I was not sanguine last time, and I'm not this time, but this time, you know, last time I did not predict he would win, he right. would lose. This time I'm saying he will lose, but that's just the popular vote and probably the Electoral College. What I know will not happen is the next day Donald Trump saying, I congratulate Joe Biden, (laughs) and I've instructed my staff to make a smooth transition, the best man won, and this is our system. (laughs) That will never happen. Right? No, it won't. That will not happen. So he'll lose big and then go apeshit about that, is my prediction. What will apeshit entail? Well, my worry is, is less that his apeshit and more of the people who are around him who know the system. Because what's going to happen over the next few weeks is you have, obviously, the election on November 3rd, but then you have until December 8th. If there's a, if there's a controversy in a state or there's a recount um, or claims of male voter fraud or whatever it is, there is this opportunity for states to choose to, to, to decide a different way to appoint the electors. And as long as they act on it by December 8th, they could make it go differently from the popular vote. So we have to pay attention to our state legislators in that period um, to make sure that they follow the popular vote in the state so that we don't have a popular vote in the state that's different from the electors. So make a prediction for me. I don't think the election will be decided November 3rd. I don't either. You don't either? No. Give me a predicted date that you think somebody will make a call. I hope it's on, I'll, I'll say after the safe harbor date, which is the one I just described. So I'll say December 9th. I hope, December that, 9th. I hope that by December because 9th, it'll be finalized. between November 3rd and December 9th, they're recounting... December and 8th, they could. I mean, court it, 
Is it right. going to courts, you think, a lot? I mean, it could. I mean, I, I think that in a state like Texas or uh, a state like Georgia, you know, because they don't bind their electors, like, there is that wiggle room for it to go haywire. So... So what happens on December 9th? Do you think somebody will call it for Biden? Well, the electors will have to be finalized on that on that date if they choose a different method. I so see. we'll know uh, by December 9th, and then the actual vote is on the 14th, and then the actual counting of the electoral votes is on January 6th, okay. and Mike Pence is overseeing that. Yeah, but he can't do anything about it. Unless, right. But again, the law is super unclear from 1887. So, you know, if, if it got really close and it's not a Biden blowout, then you could have some complication that happens at that meeting. I don't think it's going to happen, but I think it's important to know where the guardrails are versus the... So what is, okay, so say, say things go Biden's way in December 9th, they declare he's the winner. But Trump is not going to accept that. No. Right. So what happens between December 9th and January 20th when he's supposed to leave? I mean, I've heard Joe Biden say, you know, the United States government is perfectly equipped to escort a trespasser out of the White House. Except at that moment, he's the government. Right. That's the problem. He's still the government until he says different. Yeah. I mean, it, it is... We've never had a situation... We've gotten close. Uh, we had a situation in 1876 where it got two days before inauguration and they were literally planning parallel inaugurations. They finally ended up uh, uh, having the, the winner, Rutherford B. Hayes, win by one electoral vote. Um, but we've never had a situation where it's gotten to inauguration day and the person has refused to leave. So how do we fix this in the future? <laughs> I mean, a constitutional amendment takes two-thirds... Right, of the... Two-thirds of, of the House and the Senate to propose it. Or both the House and, and the, the Senate. Senate. So supermajorities in both. And it could That's have... a lot. That's 67%, which never yes. happens for anything we can't agree on. Right. Plus three-fourths of the states? Three-fourths of the states. So you need 38 states to It sounds to me like we could never really have a constitutional amendment again. That that is not really going to happen. Well, there are two ways to work around this with the Electoral College. So one is called the National Popular Vote Interstate right. Compact. And right now you have 15 states that have signed on for a total of 196 electors. That's not going to happen. You're not going to get enough states to, to tip the balance to 270 by this election, but you could in the future. The other state, the other thing that you could do in the future is have states not give winner-take-all electoral votes. Because right now you have states that are just guaranteed to go blue, and it, and it doesn't, you know, the, the people who aren't voting for uh, the, Repu- you know, people who are voting Republican in, in California, their vote for president isn't really going to matter. No. Um, so you could switch it where every state has the ability tomorrow, if they wanted, to change their, their, their laws so that it's proportional rather than winner-take-all. All right. Well, I'll be praying with you, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. All right. Thanks very much, Ben. Let's meet our panel. Good job. Hey. How you doing? Good. All right. Good to see everybody very distance. Anthony, how you doing? Okay, he is the former White House communication director under President Trump and host of the podcast Salt Talks on salt.org. Anthony Scaramucci is over here. Now he gets a big round of applause because he's... Okay, she's the former Democratic senator from North... Not an easy thing, a Democratic <laughs> senator from North Dakota. Pretty, pretty good. And co-founder of the organization One Country Project. Heidi Heidkamp is back with us. Great to see you. Okay, so... There's so much going on. There's so many of-the-week stories I could go into, and I probably should, but you know what? I'm at the end of my rope. (laughs) It's the end of the year. I'm just going to talk about what I want to talk about. Not that I don't really do that every week anyway. But here's the thing. I was watching 60 Minutes Sunday, and they had this story on the flight from hell. Have you seen this story? Uh Let let me tell the people what it is because they don't know what I'm talking about. But the question I want to get to is, why can't America get its shit together anymore? Here's what happened. Uh, In March, 200 Americans, right when the pandemic was starting, and we'd been talking about it for months, 200 Americans get on a cruise ship. So right away, I'm at Americans are morons. (laughs) Okay, but... So they get on the Costa Luminosa, Luminosa, which cut to it's a Petri dish, of course. So then the State Department has to get them off the ship, sends a chartered plane to get back to Atlanta because that's where the CDC is. The plane, it's, it's of course, the flight from hell. People are literally passing out in the aisles. Everyone on the plane's got the... So it lands, and they radio the tower, and they say, nobody told us you were coming. And sits on the tarmac for three hours. Then they let him in, check him a little bit, disperse them out. 
to the busiest airport in the world. Hit the food court. Get your connecting flights. I mean, you couldn't design a system better to super spread this disease into America. Why are we such a loser country now? What is it with the people of this country? Are they stoned? Are they stupid? Are, are they disillusioned? Is it all three? <laughs> you couldn't communicate the plane was coming in? And you let them all out? It, I mean, why are I we re- such I losers? requested vodka. I just want to make sure. Is there vodka in here? <laughs> I mean... You're a Wall Street superstar. What do you think? But I mean, Bill, I mean, there's fragmentation of information. You've got people politicizing masks. The president's politicizing. He tried to make it into not big, that big of a deal. You've got 40 to 50% of the people. I'm, not, I'm asking about the people. I, of I, Why no, the that, people on the ground that. can't... Somebody because told the people them on this the plane's coming that. in. Nobody can... How did that message well, not get I, through? I'm talking about basic you, shit. You can make all those political arguments. It's fundamental... They would just ignore Incompetence. It's incompetence. Not on the people on the ground. It's fundamentally incompetent of the State Department. What the hell was the State Department doing? Everybody should remember this when Pompeo offers himself up to America to be the next president of the United States. He's been incompetent since day one. This whole thing has been mismanaged since day one. Shouldn't surprise anyone. No, absolutely. I mean, Trump, of course, had... The personal beliefs of those people is to ignore stuff like that. That's, a, that's just a fact. Personal beliefs of who? Whoever it is, the air traffic controller, the people that were bringing mean, the flight just in. Not believe it. It's, it's not about a. It's not up to but, but being the, believed. It's but, this is information. This plane is coming in with these sick passengers. Be ready for it. Handle it like they would in a normal country. But, but something I mean, is wrong. That's beyond Trump. Yeah. I, oh, there's no question. I, I, I was syst- systemic imbalance. I, I was in Africa and during Ebola. And they tested you more heavily in Africa when you came in their country and left their country sure. in, in, in the developing world. He has never taken this seriously. And to stop people and test people, that means you're failing. And he would never... It's personal for him. Okay, it's personal for the president. Once again, his fuck-ups, not in dispute. But somebody's going to have to answer this question about America at large also, because it wasn't up to him to just be on the ground and at the CDC and the airlines and all this shit. People are just fucking dumb. He's the biggest domino, Bill. He's the biggest domino. (laughs) He's the biggest domino tipping into everything else. Yes, but it's a danger to just blame everything on that and not look at this. Oh, there's no question. We have a system fight. Maybe this will convince you. 25% of all Americans now believe Q, QAnon, I mean, it was only two years ago when I first made fun of it, and we were like, oh, this is hysterical. I'll say I am Q. I am. <laughs> um, and, because it's such a fringe thing. And now it's not a fringe thing. It's 25%. There's going to be Congress people who are QAnon. If you don't know what QAnon is, here's the question that 25% of Americans agreed to. And by the way, another 24%, not sure, maybe, they said to the question, do you believe top Democrats are involved in elite child sex trafficking rings? This is the Hillary ran a pedophile ring out of a pizza parlor. 25% of Americans, another 24%, not sure that that might be true. Biden has to run for office factoring in that a good part of the populace thinks he's a pedophile. Discuss. (laughs) Okay, so the the main thing about that is there's a lot of disenfranchised people. They feel the system has not worked for them. They can't blame themselves, and so they they buy into conspiracy theory. And then you have another group of people that are preying on them, uh, and one of them happens to be the president of the United States. And so he lights people up. He's retweeting things about the bin Laden. So they think that's... you're saying that people think the fix is in, that the, the system is, is rigged. Why do rich people get richer? Exactly. Prince Andrew, he, yeah, come on, he is and, on Sex and, Island. And he, the rich people do get whatever they want. The president's throwing dirt flame logs on it. I, he's retweeting false bin Laden raid conspiracies, and he's retweeting QAnon, and then he says that he denies it. And, and there's good 25% of the people that went from economically aspirational as blue-collar people to economically desperational Right. about three decades, and they, they get ignited by a bill. I, I, I mean, I, I disagree. 
I think that if you had had the internet when I was a kid, instead of reaching for the inquire and reading about aliens or reading about some craziness, you know, maybe only 5% of the people saw that story. Now 25% of the people are seeing the story. There are some people who just do not have the ability to use critical thinking, and that's the bigger problem in this country. It's, it, you know, you can, you can talk about whether they're disenfranchised. It doesn't, being, being poor doesn't make you stupid. Right? Being poor doesn't doesn't get you no. in that spot. Being rich makes you stupid a lot more often. <laughs> That's true. No, really, rich people don't have to think. Right? Because they're well, rich. I mean, to me, critical thinking is what we really have to focus on. And and also how is it that But that... you're answering my first question now about why the <laughs> why we <laughs> fucked up so bad with the cost of the virus ship. Well, but, but think about this. We don't educate anymore. We don't think anymore. We don't, we don't have right. critical... Right. right, this right. is the answer. Yeah, no, but, but, if, but, but on the virus, and, and I will stand up for the people at the air traffic control or the people at the... If they were not told, here's your protocol when they come off, and that was the State Department's responsibility. You saw those lineups. Remember when we brought the planes back from Europe? And there were people jammed, waiting to get through customs, and they weren't even tested then. So never mind that experience. We continued that experience all along. That's how we spread the virus in this country. And to to simply say, oh, we shut down the Chinese. No, you didn't. You brought people in here who were contaminated and and, uh, tested positive but never tested them. But if a quarter of the country and half of Trump people think uh, that the Democrats are pedophiles and Satanists, but they're also Satan. And, some, and also they believe in lizard people. Drinking blood. They're drinking the Right, blood. eating babies. I mean, like, the, like you couldn't... The inquiry... John would... Kennedy's still alive, though. That's the good news. Right? So's, so's JFK Jr. <laughs> That's right. what I meant. JFK yeah. Jr. Yeah. still right. alive. Okay, so, I mean, if Biden wins, what are we going to do with these people? And if Trump wins, what are they going to do to us? <laughs> Because they believe in the storm, well, you know, which be- is a moment when everyone realizes all this stuff, and then they arrest 100,000 people. Yeah. Well, I'll be definitely in an indisclosed location. Hopefully they'll <laughs> let me zoom into the show. I, I, okay. I, I don't think those are the dangerous people. I mean, I know that stupidity is a, is a cancer on our society. But that many of them you know, is not you know dangerous? Who, you know who the dangerous people are. Who? The people who stood in the state house in, uh, in uh, Michigan. Michigan. The people who uh, plotted to... You don't um, think these are the same people? No, I don't. You don't? I don't, no. You don't think those are cute people? No, I don't. I think those are militia. Those are posse comitatus. Those are people... And and they're not... There's no No, Venn diagram crossover of those? No, I'm sure there's some cross-pollination, but you've got to remember that these groups... No one... These groups are not all monolithic. Right. You've got to look at what their belief system is. And the poor boys, I mean, they're basically misogynistic. You know, people say they're, they're, um, uh, you know, they're racist. No, they don't like women. And that should worry us, too. That should. What about the willing accomplices like McConnell and McCarthy and guys that know better, Cotton, all these guys know better. And they sit there as willing accomplices to all of this nonsense, feeding it day in and day out. Yeah. They're the most dangerous because they're smarter and they're using that system to manipulate people. All right. Well, listen, masturbation is in the news um, this week. Not that I have to tell you. I, I feel well, I bad about constantly making fun of Jeffrey Tubin, but, you know, when you, when you do what he did, you know, people are going to make fun, especially comedians. Okay. Uh, and I just say that the name Tubin, to me, it really lends itself. It's like a... You know, because I, and I think it will probably be a, a word in itself in the future, meaning to masturbate during a well, Zoom meeting. He... As in, that meeting was so boring, I was tubing the whole time, you know? <laughs> so, wait a second. So, I realize, you know, every year the dictionary, they put out, like, the list of new words that are neologisms, they call it, or new words that come into the language. And with this year and COVID, there's going to be a whole list that are just related to pandemic living, like tubing. Uh, and we, we found some of the other ones, like the practice of bumping elbows instead of shaking hands is funny boning. You see? That's... What shoppers experience when they actually find Clorox wipes is called a storgasm. That's going to be... Someone during a COVID test who says, let me do it myself, then gets the Q-tip stuck in his nose, that's a nostril dumbass. That's a new one. Oh, uh, getting airlifted to a hospital for treatment unavailable to the public. That's called wealth care. (laughs) 
Uh, when you're scared to even think about how long you've been wearing the same underwear, those are Friday whiteies. <laughs> and when a wife gets so drunk on her Zoom happy hour she even has sex with her husband, that's a Chardonnay. Okay. <laughs> so, did you, uh, you watch the debates, both of you, last yeah. night? I thought Trump showed me at least he can modulate when he, he must be very scared. Because he usually doesn't, but he was trying, and he... There was parts of it that looked almost like a normal debate. I had this little glimmer of nostalgia. Like when they talk about minimum wage. It was just like a normal... The Republican said that rap the day boys had about, well, it's going to cost small businesses, and, you know, the, the people get fired, and the Democrats said, the Democrat shit. I was like, oh, this is so normal. And then I was reading this thing today. The Ludwig Institute says the full... The real... Unemployment rate is 26.1. It's listed as 7.9. Because if you take everybody who has a part-time job or wants a full-time job, everybody who has no job, and everyone who's just given up, 26.1. That's what it was in the Depression. That's the real unemployment in America. What are the repercussions of that? What's the remedy for that? Well, I, I think the repercussions are that all of a sudden you're going to see a spiral downward that's th- that you won't be able to contain, which is why getting this stimulus package is absolutely essential as soon as possible. There is no way we can recover without increase in federal investment. But beyond that, it it has shown the fault lines in our democracy, the the inequality. I could give you a number that overlays that, that basically shows that the bottom quartile are going to spend that much more time recovering. And as the rich people who are, the stock market's just fine for them, they can Zoom from home, they're doing okay. They're going to continue to get wealthier and wealthier, and those poor folks at the bottom never catch up. We need systemic capitalism reform in this country to stop what's happening right now. What do you say to that, Mr. Wall Street? Well, I would say three things to that. The the Wall Street's getting its bailout. That's the narcotic of the Federal Reserve and the modern monetary theory of just continuing to print Wall Street loves these COVID bailouts because they they, get the money. They get the money. And so, but, but the secondary thing that's happening is you do have a safety net today that's different from the 2933 depression. So you have, you know, workers' compensation, you have unemployment insurance, you have, you have a safety net. We need to expand that safety net, frankly, Uh, whether you're a capitalist or a socialist, it really doesn't matter. We have to help those people. Uh, because if you don't do that, you're going to break down the social contract in the system. And I think the senator is ultimately very right about this, that uh, it's going to take a very long time for people that have got hurt in this thing to pull out of it. And so things like Andrew Yang's universal base income, we have to look at that because the top-down structure bill is not working. You know, funneling it through the Federal Reserve into the stock market, having the president champion that as his poll number is not working because you've got 45% of the people that are really devastated right now. Yeah, and every low-wage worker in America is a subsidy to their employer. Is that, you know, when you talk about we need this program or that program, guess what? You need to pay these folks more. You need to give them real economic opportunity. And so when you, when you say we're going to do this and do that and, and, and uh, provide the earned income tax credit or uh, universal uh, income, guess what? That's a subsidy to people who are hiring people at seven twenty five dollars and making millions of dollars themselves. How do people live? They don't. I, they don't. They live, they live with housing assistance. They live on food stamps. They live on uh, Medicaid. And, and the president's trying to take that away. Working people's health insurance? It, I mean, it's an atrocity, and no wonder people are mad. They just have to get to the polls and vote. Vote their end. But it doesn't... But will it really change? That's the thing. I mean, here's the thing. The, the money that we already spent... I mean, the $2. trillion was the first COVID relief, right? Okay, that, that's an astounding number. I mean, even TARP, we were like, oh, my... That was the 2008 was like 780 billion and people were like oh my god in one swift stroke and then we went to 2.2 like the the new deal all told cost 856 billion adjusted the marshall plan was 144 billion i mean we are into some crazy numbers and it doesn't get to the people this is our fundamental problem besides stupidity greed <laughs> and that every snout is in the trough right. only 20% 
Only 20% went for relief and families. It went to fucking Wall Street. $250 billion in tax breaks went to businesses, some of which were making more profits during the pandemic. You left out big tech, you know, because it's all slanting towards them, because if you look at their... their that too. Problems. Yeah. The, the Pentagon got a billion to prevent, prepare, and respond to coronavirus. They spent it on space surveillance, jet engines, and dress uniforms. Well, well um... Just not to send you off the edge here, but North Dakota <laughs> just took their uh, COVID relief money and they're giving it to people so that they can frack. Frack? Uh, that is fucking soil. ridiculous. Yeah. They, they took I COVID money to and speechless. gave it to fracking? Yeah. They're doing that right now. Listen to this one. <laughs> A gas station in Needles, I think that's Arizona, received $150,000 through the Paycheck Protection Program they spent it on Trump billboards. You know, how can we even get behind spending money when we know it's not going to go where it's supposed to well, go? Well, that's my point. You could digitize the money and drop it in everybody's bank account, and it's very clean, administratively clean. But you've got lobbyists and you've got politicians that are standing in the way, and you've got very few politicians that will look into a camera and explain it directly to the American people. Ross Perot was right all person. those years ago, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. He he had the right issues, debt, and and you got to kill K Street, right? And <laughs> well, you had the crazy. What was it? His aunt in the basement, or his yeah, well, yeah, that? no. And then he became like a. He was not a great politician, but yeah, it's he was he. It's not a swamp, Bill. It's a gold-plated hot tub without a drain. And they're sitting in there smoking so, so, so think about this, though. Th 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 but think about this. And then all the hand-wringing from people like Lindsey Graham about, you can't get that extra $600 a week if you're on unemployment. Who do you think is going to spend money in this economy? 70% of our economy is consumption. If you don't get the money in the hands of the people who need things, you are not going to recover. And so the hand-wringing was atrocious, absolutely atrocious, that people so concerned that someone's going to get $600 and then they wouldn't work for minimum wage. They won't go back to a minimum wage job. Pay them more. Pay them the $600 more a month. There. So... What are, what are Americans, what are the citizens going to do if Trump doesn't leave or puts up a big fight? Um, or if he wins by voter suppression? That's how dictators around the world stay in office. They have elections. He's they going. just rigged them. He's going, Bill. I'll take the other side of that bet. This guy is a coward. He's a keyboard warrior coward. He's never had a direct confrontation with anybody in his life. Even when Chris Wallace was interviewing him in the summer, he put up the tweets of Chris Wallace he started, you know, kissing his ass, okay? He is a keyboard warrior coward, and he is going. He's going to get routed, okay? In the next 11 days, which is a Scaramucci, I might add, uh, he's going to get destroyed. You've got 55 million people. 11 days, because that's how long you had that job? Yeah, just one longer than my last name in terms of 11. So now we're, we're calling that a Scaramucci? We're calling it a Scaramucci. Like, like a fortnight. A, good... a fortnight is two weeks, I'm, I'm... and a Scaramucci is 11 yeah, I'm, days. I'm wish... and then there's Don't funny take voting. a week Remember vacation. Take a Scaramucci, okay, on me. All right. But he's going. He's going. He's going to get routed. Well, he's going to get routed. I don't know if he's going. He's not going to go easily. He's not... But, but every two kicking and screaming. You need the military. Yeah. If you want to turn or a democracy into an autocracy, you need well, the military. He's the most hated commander-in-chief yeah. in the modern era. No, yet, no retired general or active duty officer likes this guy. And go look at the enlisted I men hope, and women. They dislike him. Too. I hope you're he's right. Going. But over the he's years, going. let's be honest, he's been awful to so many people who somehow stayed loyal to him among them you. Because he was in power. Yeah. Well, well, it also, I was a lifelong Republican, and I thought it was my duty to try okay. to stay well, loyal. Well, so was but a lot of there, people in the military, became a limit. Republicans. I understand that, Bill. But and then he's the commander-in-chief at that I moment. That. I got That's that. what, even if they hate him, if he's like, well, I'm your commander-in-chief, and well, I say... I'm still the president because there's irregularities. Okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm here on your show to help those people with an off-ramp to get to reality and to where our democracy needs to be, and it's not him, and he's got to go. I hope so. And we're working tirelessly. I, but I just would like to know if, if you think that American citizens are capable of a general strike, like they have in France, too much in France, always. Every time I've been in France, they're on strike. <laughs> I cannot get a baguette. You know, it's like they're either on vacation or they're on strike. But, I mean, the whole country, if they don't like something, the whole country just says, well, we're all stopping. 
Is it, is Amer- would America do you just, that? You just said that the COVID plane got... I mean, there's, we don't have that... Kind I mean, of stopping community. on purpose. I understand that, but we don't have that kind of community. <laughs> We're so disparate in our country. I don't know if you could unify us like that. Yeah. If what? We're so disparate. I don't know if you can unify us where everybody just universally goes on strike like they do in France. No, but I think a good 60% of the country wants Trump to go. For, and we might find out it's more than that. But that's a lot of people. If they got in the streets, he's going. You know, I mean, we ha- after he, well, after he was elected, we had the the pussy riot. No, <laughs> pussy riot. The, we had the pussy hats. Yeah. Right. The the, the, right. Mar- the women's march. The women's oh, march. Right. There you go. <laughs> pussy riots that banned in Russia. <laughs> pussy hat is what they had. A pussy hat, and it wasn't a riot. Other than that, I'm fine. Um, but you know, it lasted a few days, and then everybody went home. That, and nothing, that is not fair. Though. Which you know, I applaud them. Yeah, I wasn't no, there at all. No, but they they went. And then they started organizing. And let me tell you, in the, in the 100th anniversary of women's right to vote, guess what's going to happen? Women started this movement the day after the inaugural, and they're going to end it on Election Day, and his ass is going out. All right. We'll end on that positive note. He is the Oscar and Golden Globe Award-winning actor whose new book is called Green Lights, Matthew McConaughey. Hey. How you doing, Bill? Good to see you. Thanks for having me. How you doing? Thank you for doing this. Uh, your book is fascinating. Uh, I tell you, for a guy who for so long was known as, you know, a beach bum who didn't own a shirt, you're a very deep guy. You really are. So why don't you just start off by telling people what that title means? Because I think it's Green so lights. important to the book. Yeah, so I've been keeping a diary for 36 years. And uh, I finally got the courage to take those diaries away to go see what they were. What I found in 36 years of writings were stories, people, places, prescribes, poems, prayers, and a whole lot of bumper stickers. Then I looked at those, and I found this central theme of green lights. I found that I'd caught green lights in my life. The green lights are things that we, we like. They give us freedom. They say go. They affirm our way. I found that I'd created a lot of those in my life by choices I made. I found that in a lot of ways, they were thrown in my lap. And I got very fortunate and lucky and did good things with them. I also found that a lot of the yellow and red lights in my life, crises, hardships, death of my father, years abroad where I was lost, had green light assets in them that revealed themselves later in life. Now, when we realize that there's a green light asset in a red or yellow light in our life is sort of relative. Sometimes we notice it in the moment. Sometimes we notice it next week. Next week, sometimes we notice it on our deathbed. But I do believe that eventually in the rearview mirror life, all the green, all the yellow and red lights do eventually turn green. Well, <laughs> boy, you got that down. Um... Yeah, and I mean, so much of the book, honestly, do it, 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 you remember that old Dos Equis, maybe it's still on, commercial, The Most Interesting Man in the World? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, <laughs> so many of the passages are like copy for the next most interesting man in the world. He, he smoked peyote in Mexico in a cage with a mountain lion. Yes. You, you did that. You were blackmailed into having sex at 15. How, how does that even happen? Yes. I would have been the blackmailer at 15. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to tell well, that as, story? <laughs> as, I, as, I wrote, as I wrote in the book, and I didn't give a whole lot of details on that, you know, I was raised thinking I wasn't going to lose my virginity until I was married, and, and at least if I did, it was going to be with someone that I had a really good relationship with. Well, uh, neither of those happened. Um, uh, this girl was much older. And as I write in the book, I said, I was very sure at the time that I was going to hell for the act. And now I, I merely hope that that is not the case. Uh, I'm merely <laughs> sure that I hope that's not the case. <laughs> yes, you're quite, you are a philosopher. That's, that's the interesting part. And, and you did something in your career that is very rare, which is you changed the perception of yourself. That's the hardest thing to do in show business. You know, when you get a label on you, it sticks. And you manage to find a way to not be the beach bum with the shirt off, you know, to be this guy. You want to tell the kids how to do that? Well, what happened was I was the rom-com guy. I was the shirtless guy on the beach. Um, That was fine. Yes, I said it then and I'll say it now. Those rom-coms I was doing were paying the rent for the houses on the beach where I was shirtless. Guilty. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Um, so I never, yeah. you know, tallyhooed that, that part. But I did notice that 
that's all that I was in the public eye, and that's all I was to studio finances in Hollywood. Other roles I wanted to do, dramatic roles, they were not being offered. They were not an option for me. So at a time where I said, if I can't do what I want to do, I'm going to stop doing what I've been doing, it was a scary proposition. Um, so I checked with my wife, uh, checked with my money manager and agent, and said, I'm going to stop doing rom-coms. Well, guess what? Um, okay, that's all that came in for six months. I got a $14.5 million offer for one, and that was harder to say no to because <laughs> I got a little relative on that going, really? You're going to say no to this? Which I finally did. And then for 14 months after that, nothing came in. Called my agent. He goes, no, no one's even mentioned your name. So a 20-month sabbatical, um, after 20 months of, of a sabbatical from Hollywood, being gone, not seeing me shirtless on the beach, not seeing me in your living room or in a theater in a rom-com, I became a new good idea. Where's McConaughey been? He, we, we forgot about him. Well, guess who's a good idea now for Lincoln Lawyer, Killer Joe, Paperboy, Mud, True Detective, Dallas Buyers Club, Magic Mike. Right. And I just so that that movie uh, that one you turned down for fourteen point five. Uh, what yeah. was it, and who did it? I'm not telling, and it didn't get it didn't get made. <laughs> okay. Um, all right. So th- the other reason I think you were able to do it is you just have uh, an innate likability which is rare, but, you know, usually carries the day. It's interesting. You talk about your big breakthrough, Time to Kill. The other guy who was up for it was uh, the other actor, I think, in your generation, who has the only one who has the same amount of likability, which is our friend Uh, Woody My brother from another mother? Brother from another mother. Well, you know, you're both sons of Texas. You have this weird family history, which I'll get into in a minute, but um, (laughs) you sure he's not your real brother? It's still debatable. We're, we're still finding out. My mom's got a story that makes us both think we just might be related. Well, yeah. I'm, <laughs> let's just leave that hanging out there. Um, because this is so interesting. Uh, you were born to parents who were on each on their third marriage to each other. I've yep. heard of people getting married twice. In fact, I Googled it. Lots. Of, it's interesting. Lots of really... Uh, Prominent, interesting, good people. Larry King, Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. Eminem did it. Richard Pryor did it. Don Johnson and Melanie Griffith did it. Natalie Wood and Robert Wagner. Judge fucking Judy did it. (laughs) Overruled herself and married this... Twice. But your parents did it three times. You were married after their... (laughs) So how do you think that affected you? Uh, Great question. Um, let me throw this at you. Camilla, who I'm now married to, her parents did the inverse of what mine did. They were married twice, divorced three times. They ended up divorced. So we came into this going, hey, this whole marriage thing that our parents have had, they, boy, they've been really good lessons of can't live with you, can't live without you. We're not rushing into this. Um, (laughs) but you know, my parents liked their relationship being a, a tidal wave in the Pacific ocean. Um, I don't, I didn't, I didn't want to go marry uh, someone like as much like my mother who needed that much resistance <laughs> continually to get along. Um, I want to keep the passion, have a passionate relationship, but I like more of a slow moving river with some rapids along the way. Um, so it really didn't scare us away from marriage, but, um, it made us take our time, maybe a little extra time before we decided, Hey, this is what we want to do. And we want to choose each other to spend our, our lives together with. Well, it's interesting, you know, reading about your family, violence is a big theme in your book. Violence followed by love. You know, you talk about, you you know, you love your father very much, but he whipped your ass, and that there's a, you describe a fight in the kitchen between your mother and your father, like a bar fight with a knife and a broken bottle, and they wind up fucking on the floor. Uh, I mean, you talk about defending your father at a bar... And he loved you for it because you got the shit beat out of you. There's a lot. And then you have these dreams, these recurring dreams where you're surrounded by the most violent creatures in nature, the shark, right, the python, the crocodile. And then you come. It's a wet dream. Yep. Yep. Not a nightmare. Well, everything you just said, look at what the outcome of each one of those was. They end up with love winning. My mom and dad get in a fight. They end up making love on the floor. My mom and dad get, get divorced twice. They end up being married. I have dreams that have the elements of absolute nightmares by any practical look at it, and they end up being a wet dream. The, the love in our family and the, and the violence that was in our family, and trust me, there was a 
much, much more compassion and good times and hugging and all of it getting along. I tell these stories about our family that have to do with consequences and have some violence in them because those were the times where the love that we have was tested the most, but was never going to get beat. So I think that's why I adore these stories and tell them as love stories so much because they are times when that love got tested, but the love was never going to uh, be in question. The love was never going to lose the fight, and it never did. Okay. Well, listen, I'm looking forward to your third act whenever that's going to start because I know you're a seeker and it'll be something different still. Thank you for doing this. Keep Austin weird. We'll do okay, it. Matthew we'll McConaughey. see you first next time. Appreciate it. Okay, now it's time for new rules, everybody. New rules. Okay. New rules. Neural, if you buy this silicone face slimmer designed to stretch the mouth muscles, thereby slimming your face, you can't be surprised when your husband leaves you for a blow-up doll. <laughs> Sophisticated humor we do here. Sophistic- Neural, never buy anything from an ad where a kid at breakfast says, Dad, you rock. <laughs> if Dad actually rocked, he'd be on tour doing blow and trashing hotel rooms. Here's how you know he doesn't rock. It's 6 a.m. and he's cooking for you. <laughs> New rule, the media must stop trying to scare us with bullshit horror stories about marijuana, like this one. Man dies after pot plant liquefies his brain. <laughs> nice try, but where I come from, it'll liquefy your brain is a selling point. <laughs> P.S. That's not even a pot plant, douchebags. <laughs> New rule, the zoo map has to change its name. <laughs> Boy, this poor guy, we fucking hit him at the beginning, we hit him in the middle, and we hit him at the end. <laughs> the zoo map <laughs> has to change its name to We Can See Your Penis. I realize that's a mouthful, but apparently some people need reminding that if there's one thing nobody likes seeing on their computer, it's unwanted (laughs) pop-ups. Neural, someone must tell harmonica players that the reason they always have the blues is because nobody wants to watch someone play a harmonica. (laughs) Because it sounds like you're auto-tuning an asthma attack. And finally, new rule, an election is meant to eliminate candidates, not voters. Last week in Georgia, early voting in the wealthier white neighborhoods in Atlanta took just 15 minutes, barely enough time for the poodle in the car to get hot. But voters in some black areas stood in line for up to eight hours. In Texas, the governor decreed that there be only one ballot drop box per county, which is fine for Loving County, population 169, But Harris County, which includes the city of Houston and has 2.4 million eligible voters spread across an area larger than Rhode Island, also got one box. In some states, you have to put your mail-in ballot inside an envelope and then put that envelope into a second envelope and then sign the envelope. It's like you're doing a magic trick. (laughs) For people who say both parties are basically the same, voter suppression is the stark example that that's not true. This is 100% a Republican thing. They know their policies aren't as popular, so they came up with an effective, time-tested political tactic called cheating. (laughs) I can't make you want to vote for me, but maybe I can keep you from voting for the other guy. That's their credo. May the best man lose anyway. The other night I was uh, watching one of those obstacle course shows, you know, the ones where a contestant has to get across a terrain of giant bouncy balls and slippery balance beams and swing on friggin' ropes like Tarzan. And it occurred to me while watching this, watching Ricardo lose his grip on a foam roller, that this is exactly what our voting system has turned into. It's American Ninja Warrior Democracy Edition. Try to move forward without getting knocked off the voter rolls. 
Match your wits and physical prowess in our most challenging steeplechases like The Eliminator, where you show up to vote only to find your polling place has been closed. Splish splash, you're taking a bath. Or then there's the excruciator where you finally find your polling place. But the line is hours long because they've shut down all the other polling places and your precinct has been given the old broken voting machines. (laughs) (laughs) Kerplunk. The misidentifier where you finally get to the front of that line that you've been waiting in for hours and they tell you that you have the wrong ID. Hope you can swim. The monkey wrench, where you say, okay, fine, I'll mail in my ballot, only to find they removed the only mailbox in the neighborhood. (laughs) Oh, no. And finally, brand new this year, try to stay dry when going up against the obstructor, where you say, fuck it, I'll just drop off my mail-in ballot at a designated drop-off box, only to find... There's only one for 2.4 million people. It's amazing how brazen Republicans have become in owning voter suppression. Back in March, when Democrats were pushing for a vote-by-mail, same-day registration and early voting, Trump, because he's a poker player who always tells you his hand, said this would result in, quote, levels of voting that if you'd ever agreed to it, you'd never have a Republican elected in this country again. Well, not quite, but yes, more people vote for Democrats. A process known as counting. (laughs) David Lewis is a state rep from North Carolina. He was tasked with redistricting, and he gave one of the most honest rationales for partisan gerrymandering you'll ever hear. He said, I think electing Republicans is better than electing Democrats, so I drew this map in a way to help. Huh. Well, it must have been such a relief for a cheater like that to stop pretending that there was a good reason for their cheating and just say it, like when mom finally admits that the Hitachi magic wand isn't for her back. (laughs) Well, here's my message to the cheaters. I've always preached on this show that you can hate Trump, you can't hate his supporters. I meant it then, and I mean it now. But that goes out the window if you steal from me. My vote is a thing of value. You steal it, I do hate you. Because that's not... That's not we see the world differently, our politics are different. That's you're a crook, a thief, and a schmuck. Elections are supposed to be free and fair, not wet and wild. And if you wait eight hours to vote, when you get out of the booth, you deserve to do this. All right, that's our show. I want to thank my guests, Anthony Scaramucci, Heidi Heitkamp, Matthew McConaughey, and Ben Sheehan. We'll be back next week. Thank you very much, folks. Catch all new episodes of Real Time with Bill Maher every Friday night at 10, or watch him anytime on HBO On Demand. For more information, log on to HBO.com.